Hello and welcome to the latest Fraser Roundup podcast. I am Kate Mill, an assistant economist here at the Fraser and today I'm joined by Joao Sousa, our deputy director, to discuss the upcoming autumn statement on November 22nd. So following the announcements in the spring, what do you think that we can expect from the budget in just a few weeks' time? Uh, so there's been quite a few developments since the March budget. Uh, the, economy, the economy has not grown quite as fast as we had expected and as the Office for Budget Responsibility had expected. Uh, inflation has persisted at quite a high level and the OBR is, it actually forecast that the peak of the interest rate rises would be about 4.25%. Uh, the latest uh, change by the Bank of England was to 5.25%. Uh, so it's at least one percentage point higher, which has a big impact on fiscal conditions. Crucially, uh, the expectations are that the interest rates will be higher for longer than we had expected before. Uh, and that is likely to put a dent on growth forecasts going forward. Uh, that might mean lower tax revenues uh, than anticipated. And the spending envelope um, that the Treasury had set for the departments was already quite tight. So it's it's not very plausible that the Chancellor will have much of an opportunity to squeeze down on spending. That means that it's a really challenging uh, set of, of conditions that are kind of uh, setting the scene for for the autumn statement in a, in a couple of weeks. Uh, the Chancellor had about six billion pounds of headroom um, in March. We can expect that he won't have much more than that this time. And so any talk of of tax cuts uh, that has been um, bandied about in the media might be exaggerated and it looks difficult that he could do anything that's very substantial. Recently, the ONS have revised GDP upwards. Do you think that this will mean there will be greater scope for a looser fiscal policy? I think there are two things that, um, that are important to note about the GDP revisions. One is that most of the revision was to the real side of the economy. That means that uh, it's to do with um, when you account for inflation, how much you can buy in terms of numbers of goods, but not necessarily, it's not necessarily changed the amount of money spent on the economy, the revisions to the nominal side were much smaller. And the nominal side is really what matters for fiscal policy because the, the tax bases for the biggest taxes are set on in nominal terms. And also um, that it's the growth in those that kind of allows the government to have more money to spend. The other thing that's happened is that the recovery from the COVID pandemic appears to have been stronger. Now, that means that we are at a higher level than we were before, but it might also mean that we don't have as much scope to recover in coming years. And so growth in subsequent years might actually be slower than we had anticipated before. Now, if we combine these two things, that probably means that the growth in tax revenues uh, over the five years of the forecast period uh, that the OBR will be projecting come November 22nd uh, might be slower than, than anticipated before. If that proves to be the case, then that constrains the Chancellor further rather than improving uh, the situation in terms of scope for looser fiscal policy. So although it might look like you know, borrowing's been lower in the last few months, 
GDPs growing more quickly or has grown more quickly, sorry, in the in the previous uh, couple of years, it might not actually translate into any benefits in terms of the chancellor's headroom. Uh, it's relatively unintuitive and it's got to do with the fact, fact that it, the, the fiscal rule that the chancellor has is uh, related to growth in um, the nominal economy and growth in um, revenues and spending over the the five years of the forecast rather than necessarily being to do with a starting point or the level. So it looks like the Chancellor's got very limited uh, fiscal headroom. Um, what sort of thing might this mean for consumers and households across the UK? So that probably means that uh, we should expect tax levels to to remain uh you know similar there there won't be much scope for cutting income taxes or anything like that and they're one of the things that that the government has done in in recent uh, fiscal events is to freeze thresholds in cash terms which means that more people uh, as their nominal earnings grow get pushed into higher bands of tax uh this is what's known as fiscal drag uh, and this brings in more revenue to the government, but it's uh, at a UK level, although not in Scotland, is expected to last until 2027, 28. Uh, the Chancellor might be tempted to maintain that freeze for a further year because his target year will be 28, 29. Uh, overall, in, in, for, for, for households uh, and businesses, this this is a tricky uh, set of conditions. The Chancellor had a um, full expensing measure for capital allowances in the budget that he said he hoped to make permanent. Uh, that doesn't look very affordable at the moment. Uh, so we'll have to wait until economic conditions improve uh, for that to really be considered in more detail or more fully. Um, and just generally, it seems like we're in for quite a difficult few years unless uh, growth prospects improve. Definitely. Um, taxes are currently at you know record levels. Um, so it looks like there's likely to be a protracted period of you know high taxes um, and tight spending environment. So is there much that you think that the Chancellor could do to sort of spur on investment and that could spur on growth over the coming years? So the, the, there has been a few attempts uh, through um, the capital allowance measures that I mentioned before. Uh, generally, those kind of tend to, if they're temporary as they are in this case, they tend to bring forward investment, which might which is, might be a good, a good thing because in a moment where um, growth is lower, it can serve to stimulate uh, the economy, um, and that is welcome. Uh, there is also the possibility of doing some uh, longer-term reforms that might kind of start to, to get growth going in the next few years. Planning reform is something that uh, everyone keeps talking about, and uh, it's definitely a big problem, uh, even more so in England. Uh, where the, there's direct responsibility for the UK government, uh, whereas it, it is devolved uh, for the for for the rest of the UK nations. Uh, there might be uh, 
temptation to to look at the broad suite of of uh, business taxes. Um, I think though that some of the 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 more effective uh, ways of of getting growth going that we've seen in places like the U.S. don't appear to be at the disposal of of the government. Uh, a lot of the subsidies to industry that were done through the Inflation Reduction Act in the U.S. were just like very very expensive, uh, and it's not so much that that they were very well targeted or great value for money on a per dollar basis. It was just like a huge influx of cash into the economy, uh, and given the the fact that the the markets were quite spooked last year through a uh, projected increase in borrowing, um, that would appear to be kind of outside scope. And, and all the noises coming from uh, Jeremy Hunt have uh, been to the to the effect that it won't be a particularly uh, expansive statement that he will give in on the 22nd. I know, uh, definitely. Um, in March, um, Jeremy Hunt did introduce the 10 billion a year tax break um, to last until the end of 2026. Um, so this allowed companies to fully expense any investment um, and to fully deduct that from any profits that were made. Do you think that could be a way to sort of spur on investment in the future if that were to be extended? Yeah, so it would have some, some effect of, of increasing investment, uh, although it, it probably wouldn't. So if you look at, at, at the temporary measure, it probably brings more of that investment forward. Um, and the kind of steady state effect after some of that investment has been brought forward won't be necessarily as large as the 10 billion. And there was some Institute for Fiscal Studies research recently uh, highlighting the fact that it's likely to cost quite a bit less on an ongoing basis. Uh, that is definitely something that, that would increase competitiveness and, and make it easier for firms to invest. Yeah, definitely. Um... And how will this interact with the challenges that the Scottish government is currently facing? So the, the Scottish government is in a tricky financial position at the moment. Uh, there was in May a forecast of a £1 billion um, funding gap. Uh, we think that with the less unfavourable income tax reconciliation forecast by the Scottish Fiscal Commission, and with some more extended borrowing powers that it does now have after the framework review with the Treasury, it is likely to stand at around £600 million. That's still significant, uh, although obviously quite a bit better or, or less worse, let's say, uh, than, than it was back then. Uh, however, the Scottish government has made some commitments on spending, uh, including freezing council tax, uh, which it has said it will fully fund, um, which we haven't yet seen any detail on how they kind of match up with the funding that's available. The, the council tax freeze could cost anywhere between 120 to uh, 420 million, depending on the level of of funding uh, that councils will be co compensated for. Uh, and that really 
could be a significant uh, change in, in the budget. Um, there was also an announcement of an additional £100 million a year for NHS waiting list reduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, that seems to be a reallocation of money within the envelope rather than uh, genuinely additional funding for the Scottish government. It's it's a very tricky position because if there were to be large spending increases from the UK government at the um, at the autumn statement, that would have consequences through the Barnett formula that would increase the funding of the Scottish government. However, given that the Chancellor appears to be very limited in in what he can do regarding that, then it's. It, it doesn't appear very likely that those funding increases are going to materialize for for Scotland. And in that case, there is going to be, or there's going to have to be some reprioritization of of spending areas uh, because the Scottish government is not allowed to run a deficit on current spending, unlike the UK government. And that means that it has to match up its spending decisions to the revenues that it gets. Um, and that is looking very challenging at the moment. Well, it continues to be a pretty gloomy economic picture for us. Well, thank you so much, um, Joelle, for joining me today. Um, we now just hold tight until the 22nd to see what the Chancellor will unveil in this year's autumn statement. For more analysis on the day, head over to our website at fraserrounder.org or you can follow us on our socials on X and LinkedIn. Thanks.